like this broke me. I mean, like lots of us, right? It, uh, and I don't know why. Tamar Rice, all of them, Trayvon, like this one in particular, watching someone tortured to death with the agent of the state standing, protecting his right to do so. I don't know. We are not the problem. We are not the problem. We are not the problem. The problem is the system. It has almost been two weeks since the day when George Floyd was killed in the street. It's enough. It has to change. I am Madian Andrade, and from the University of Toronto, this is the new normal. The three police officers facing felony criminal charges were among a group of 15 who stopped a 25-year-old black man last Saturday night, then beat him, kicked him, and clubbed him, unaware that an amateur photographer was recording the incident on videotape. I remember the Rodney King video, which was one of the early examples of a video being released. That was in the 90s. I don't even know if you you know of this case. I imagine you do because you're also a historian. I was 12 years old. Mark Campbell is a professor in arts, culture, and media at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. You were 12. Okay, there you go. I was 12, but I was also 5'7", which means I I, I was out of a child's body, I was into a man's body, and which made everyone act differently towards me, right? You know, I'd like to talk about that, because as a mother, my son's 12 now, and um, I was trying to explain to a white colleague, um, there's a point in our son's development when we teach them, what do you do with your wallet when a policeman pulls you over? You put it on the dash so they don't see your hands reaching in your pockets. You don't meet their eyes. You're not cute anymore. You look like a man, and you're black. And that changes your entire encounter with the world. And not just with the police, with people you pass in the street. And to have to explain to them that, and to know that not everyone's listening to it. I don't know. Mark studies the importance of music in black communities, particularly hip hop and its role in speaking truth to power. I was in high school and Ice Cube released an album called The Predator in in 1992, right after the Rodney King riots. And his take and analysis of of what was happening in those LA riots gave me another viewpoint to help understand what it was like to be who I am on the street in Los Angeles. Trying to make sense of, you know, police harassment and and surveillance and over-policing and just the everyday aspects of discrimination. So when I'm listening to what Ice Cube is telling me and what Public Enemy is telling me, it's making a lot of sense, right? It brings a worldview, some sort of coherency because everything else seems really incoherent, right? Because if you understand yourself as part of the human family and you realize that you don't get treated like other people in the human family and you've done nothing to provoke the mistreatment. So music has been, you know, one way to really, especially when you're young, to grasp um, what the world is about. It has almost been two weeks and the protests continue. They started in Minneapolis and almost two weeks later, Thousands of people are still gathering on a nightly basis to say that things have to change. 
it's it's floored me recently and i've done this for a long time i've been researching these issues now for six years it never gets easier there's never a point where seeing those things just doesn't completely knock you down julius hogg is a professor of sociology i remember my first karting stop was coming to U of T one day. It was a beautiful sunny day. I was biking uh, down College Street past uh, Spadina and a police car pulled ahead of me and into the bike lane in front of me and stopped. And two white officers came out, two white male officers came out and they stopped me. We discussed his research on the relationship between black communities, young black men in particular, and policing. Back to his uh, patrol car and he came back with the form to, to, to run a card on me and started asking me the questions, uh, what's your name, uh, what are you doing here, right? Because- What are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. race is coded to space very fundamentally, yeah. right? So you're out of place here. So I'm answering all the questions and the officer says to me, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a researcher at U of T. I'm a graduate researcher at U of T. And says to me, what do you study? And I say, well, I study racial profiling and police carding. And what did he say? The officer said to me, well, won't you think it's funny when you see your fucking name on the cards? Pardon my language. No, um, that's nice. Yeah. Nice. And that, I, I, that sticks with me. Yeah. And this is recent, right? This is very recent. This is, yeah, this is in the last few years. Uh, and I tell that story because, you know, the, re- the thing about carding is that the vast majority of people who are stopped and carded, you know, likely have no involvement with any of the issues that the police should be concerned with. Their only crime is looking how they look and being where they are. It's impossible not to see what was hidden before, at least to some. That the people at risk are not a random sample of our population. Many people I speak to will if they have their own experiences, they do, and many of them do, but many of them also have those vicarious experiences that we see the police doing this in our neighborhood, right? So even if you don't have a direct contact with the police necessarily, you're more likely to have a negative impression of them from the things that you witness, the things that you hear. These things are socially transmitted in the community. They're intergenerationally transmitted. You know, it has effects in terms of traumatizing you and your family members. It's negative mental health effects. The tolls of criminalization and aggressive policing are borne out in our healthcare system, in our education system, in our social welfare system. And they're, they're across communities, across families, across generations in ways that I think is not necessarily in people's view when they think about these issues. Why now? This has happened before. Why now? The pandemic has created a new normal. The pandemic has taken a society and forced it to pause. This was the perfect storm. So many of us at home, sheltering in place and tuned in to every little bit of social contact we could get. I do believe the pandemic is like deeply connected to this moment. I feel like people have been seeing the whole world trying to battle the pandemic. There, there are so many ways that we've all demonstrated that we're the same. We've, like, I think that globally people have realized, oh, wait a minute, all human beings could die and we all need to do this. 
and then within that very same moment where we've already demonstrated even you know even unconsciously demonstrated that we're all part of the same human family then a hundred people could watch one man get killed yeah and record it and he could be killed for some for something as silly as supposedly you know a counterfeit twenty dollar bill twenty dollar bill you know so when people can see all of that on their phone in real time while we're sitting at home trying to save one another by staying away from one another that has to be a tipping point i think that's my little inkling of hope even though as you say we don't know how much of it's going to be maintained how much we're just going to habituate to it but i think there are some things that once you see them you can't unsee them that video is one of them and i think that video got as you said because people are sitting at home on screens it actually got probably more saturation than any of these other ones people being killed for skittles people being killed for a toy gun in their pocket um this one this one really is worldwide at a time when everyone is thinking about communal action there are you know 40 different cities where people are violating curfew to to demonstrate their protest you know and honor the life of george floyd so i'm hoping this is the moment because I won't see another moment like this in my lifetime. Next week on The New Normal, in part two, we look at how we move forward. The police are ready to move in on all these protesters again, now firing tear gas into the crowd. They are trying to push these folks.